It is in Canada Got Time here on The Breakfast Show. Uh, you're with Lyle and Daniel this morning as we dig into our Bible study to find out, well, what does the Bible have to say? Of course, before we get into our Bible study, we have a number of issues that we need to get through, including our text messages and quiz. What do you want to do first? Uh, I've just been out in I've just been out in the uh, in, in in the studio with Shell producer Shell working on tomorrow's quiz and coming up with really devious clues for you. Well, all. Is that because today is sort of lax? You want to be a little bit more? Yeah, yeah we got we got we got to be we got to make things. A little, oh, okay. She says not tomorrow's quiz for the twenty second. See, that's how organised she is. The twenty second. That's like three <laughs> weeks ago. Away. Anyway, we have come up with some devious clues. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Okay. But let's talk about today's quiz. What have we got happening? All right. 400 point question is, which Caesar ordered the census that required the whole Roman world to register? Okay. Which Caesar was that? <gasps> this oh, no. one is specifically, on is specifically mentioned in Daniel chapter 11 so, as a raiser of taxes. Very famous for raising taxes. He was, he was the, he was, he was not the, he was the CEO Caesar. CEO. Yes, he was the CEO. He, he, he ran the empire like a large corporation. Mafia boss. The Don. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like that. Well. <laughs> when you get to the top, there's always someone at the top of the pyramid, hierarchical structure. Yeah, kind of the cross between a mafia boss and a CEO would, would be where I would put this Caesar when you, when you look at him from a historical uh, perspective. You know, you have some Caesars who were just plain straight out warriors this guy was a CEO. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is a big corporation. Let me run it like a corporation. Okay, let's uh, let's go to text messages. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, numbers to call. Numbers to call for the answers are 0491 064 You can text through there on the station or 1-800-324-843. All right, going to text messages. Somebody texted through about the... Uh, uh, stab-proof, um, shark-proof uh, wetsuit that you were talking about. Yep. Says uh, the uh, Port Macquarie shark stop. Yep. I think I will have to stay with the protection of my guardian angel. That is really one of his jobs. Still, I have done some scuba diving. As beautiful as is, you just never know. I wish the inventor well. Amen. With uh, some clapping hands and some dollar signs. I think, I think the dollar signs are why he's saying he's going to have to stick with his guardian angel because he can't afford to, uh, to buy the, uh, the shark-proof one. Okay, so another text message here, the uh, Canada anti-conversion bill. If you remove consent, what have you got left? I'll tell you what you've got you left. You've got totalitarian government. Yep. That's what you've got left. Complete control. Uh, you can remain fluid as long as it is not what God made you. The mind of Satan and those making these laws are one and the same. Don't they realize they are doing it to themselves and to their families as well? And this is the thing. This is people that are just clutching onto their pain with an almost inhuman desperation. Yep. And, and and that's the tragedy of it. It's, it's, it's sad they're being used in such a way because when you look at these politicians who are involved in voting these things in and passing these bills... Ten years ago, when this wasn't popular, they would have voted against it because it would have been going with the grain at the time. Right. Now they're going with the current grain. Mm-hmm. They don't care about these people and their rights. No. They only all. care about being elected. Votes and Money. trying to, like you said before, shake their fist at God. Yep. Uh, as the New World always always say, this is the new normal. But why should we be surprised? God already told us the future 
that is now the present. Mm. And then, yeah, and Daniel, I think you were saying off air that um, you know you could put yourself in a cave for um, thirty years and somebody could come and uh, like, oh, thirty years has gone by. Guess what the world looks like right now? And you could say, well, the world's going to look like that, 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 straight from the Bible because you already know because you read the Bible. <laughs> That's right. It 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 just I don't know why it always shocks me when the Bible is fulfilled. <laughs> it's probably because why no- is that? Nothing else in the world has such a success rate. There's that aspect of it as well. But I, I see this legislation coming out of Canada and I'm shocked by it. I'm like, I cannot believe in civilised society you have draconian legislation like that in a, in a Western, civilised, supposedly free society. And it's like we're saying... And, and I'm shocked about it. And it's like, why am I shocked? Because every generation thinks they're at the worst they can possibly be at. Yes, Yes, but, so my grandfather, my grandfather, who's living, you know, went through the First World War, the Second World War, the Cold War, uh, saw the invention of nuclear bombs. You know, went from uh, well, the invention of the aeroplane to man landing on the moon, uh, and he was still, you know, in ministry. Uh, that's a very short space of time for all of those things to take place. That's the that's the that was the the, the length of his uh, you know of his ministry, so to speak, and. Uh, and then, you know, of course, lived through into the 1990s and the digital age and so forth, you know, and he looked at it like, oh, the world can't get any worse. You know, every decade, can't get any worse. Can't get any worse than the First World War. You know, 5 million, 6 million people died. Can't get worse than that. Can't get worse, 25 years later, Second World War. Um, can't get any worse than the atomic bomb, you know. Now every country's got atomic stockpiles. And, and of course, well, you know, now we're our now we are where we are today. It's like every generation goes surprise. We're worse. <laughs> uh, it does make you fear and tremble for the future, unless you know what the Bible says. Let's Amen. go to let's let's look at what the Bible says. Let's go to our Bible study for today, um, and we would love to hear from you. A bit quiet on the text message front this morning, so it is. maybe yeah. it wasn't controversial enough. Maybe it wasn't. Let us know. Um, we would love to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. Particularly, would love to hear your thoughts on Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. We're, we're digging into Hebrews 5. Just find it here in my Bible, which is just falling apart all over the place. That's good. I shouldn't talk about my falling apart Bible because somebody had pity on me. was like, oh, I'll send you a new one. But I like my old one. It shows that it's been well used. Or that it's very cheap. <laughs> I'm trying to be kind here. Just take the compliment. <laughs> It's just because Lyle's a cheapskate and buys a cheap Bible <laughs> is all it is. It's like, no, I can still read from it. Why would I get a new one? It's That's fine. Right. It still works. Yeah, if I if I put all the pages in the right place, you can even <laughs> find stuff. <laughs> no tape. <laughs> just order. All right. We read the first, what are we? We got through like two verses of uh, chapter five. No, we got through four verses. And we were talking about the humanity of Jesus yesterday mm. and the importance of the humanity of Jesus when it comes to him being uh, our intercessor. And uh, the fact that if he was not like us, and if he was not tempted like we are tempted, then he would not be able to sympathize with us or empathize with us when we are being tempted. He would not be able to make that connection with us that he is able to make with us because he understands what's going on. And we noted that the Bible teaches that uh, priests in the past were chosen from among human beings and that sometimes that did not always go well. Aaron, the first one, the first high priest, is a classic example. Builds a golden calf. <laughs> one, yeah. one job, Aaron. Don't do this. 
He does it. The very first commandment, now shall have no other gods before me. Let's build this god. He's <laughs> been gone for a while. <laughs> we need something else to worship. It, it, it just, you know, and, and I guess that if you were there at the time, it would probably make more sense than what it makes to us right now, but it certainly makes no sense to us when we look, at back, look back on it from our perspective and we think, seriously, you did that? You went, you went down that path? And, and it is difficult to make that call because we don't know what they felt in their shoes at the time. The but what it, does, what it does illustrate is that the priests and the priesthood were chosen from among human beings, yep. weak, fallible, failing human beings, so that when their parishioners, so to speak, uh, fell into sin or fell, you know, were weak and failing and whatever and, and came to them for solace, they could give that, they could empathise with them because they're like, yeah, we know, we've been there, we've been tempted, we know what happens, we know how this works. We have experienced this. Yeah. And that's another aspect of why Christ had to do what he, he did because when the challenge came from Satan against God, Christ answers it in the most magnificent way, having lived both as super powerful deity and humble human being. He's covered both of those bases. For his argument against Satan is the best argument you can possibly have because he goes, I've covered it all. Yes, that's right. Satan is only a high powerful being. He doesn't know what it's like to be a tempted, fallen, fallible human being, and Christ does. He knows what it's like to be in that state. He was perfect, of course, but he knows what it is like to be in that state, so he covers all bases. There's no challenge to come back against that. Nobody in the universe can Mm. say, "But hang on, I know better, but you don't because I've been super powerful and human at the same time and separate in the sense that he's covered it. That's so interesting when you think about it from the perspective of spiritualism and the claims that Satan makes through spiritualists where he's like, yeah, I'm a better mediator. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Not a better mediator, that was the wrong term, a better saviour. Because, you know, in some forms of spiritualism, they openly worship Satan and Satan comes to them like, I'm a better saviour. Yeah. And one of the reasons is is because I guess, you know, he is he can say, Well, I'm like you. I'm a fallen being, you're fallen beings, we're all in this together, so let's fight it out together. Whereas Jesus says, uh, I'm the ruler of the universe, I'm the creator of everything, and I became a human being like you. We're in this together. Let's fight it out against Satan together. And let's actually win. He actively chose to actively chose. Yes, and you look at Satan like the, the angels, but nature, without sin, without sin, hundred yes. percent. The angels' nature is not that of a fallen nature. No, they've never experienced a fallen nature. But the fact that Satan became jealous of yes. God, became jealous of humans, became jealous of Christ and His future ministry, shows you that there is the capacity for them to make a choice. They're consciously making a decision. Mm-hmm. Human beings, like my little my uh, little boy, he's now two. Mm-hmm. and he's very much in the sense of if I want to get out of discipline, I will lie about a situation. He's two. He recognises that, well, hang on, if I say yes, I might get myself into trouble here, so I'm going to say no and try and avoid it at two. Yeah, you know, you don't have to send him to school to learn this stuff, do you? No, because it's 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 a part of the human condition we're it's talking about. DNA. It's the human nature. It's in the DNA. So by Christ becoming human and living in this world and seeing the depths of depravity that humans undertake and what we struggle with on a daily basis gives him more standing than anybody in the universe Mm -hmm. to answer that challenge and say, no, 
we're right, I'm right, here's how it is, mm-hmm. and destroy Satan. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's. Uh, we're going to look at a, a, another issue here this morning that comes out of uh, Hebrews chapter 5. We read the first, I think, four five. verses. We did five, but did spoke five. about four. That's right, we spoke about four. Okay, so let's pick it up from verse 5, and let's read verse 5 and 6. All right, Bible says, That is why Christ did not honour himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son, Today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so we've kind of got two issues that we can look at here. Um, one of them is, you know, what does it mean where God says, I have chosen you, you are my son, um, I have begotten you, I have brought you forth. What does all of that mean? How does that all work? We need to untangle that one. Uh, that raises a lot of questions in a lot of people's minds. And then we also need to talk about the issue of Melchizedek. Mm. And these two issues kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Because the Bible says some interesting things about um, uh, about Melchizedek. And it's very revealing in its relationship to the origin of Jesus Christ. You have to pause you right there. We've got a caller. Oh, we do. Okay. Bruce is on the line. He's ah, got Bruce. something he'd like to say. Fantastic. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah. Good morning. Morning. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about, you know, we we're talking about Christ and him dying, you know, in the crucifixion for our sin. And, and I really see it that God, because he's the creator, because Jesus was the creator, well, he was responsible for sin. Not that he created sin, but because he created everything, well, therefore, he's responsible. And so by dying on the cross, he was taking that responsibility. He paid the penalty for it. Mm, Personal responsibility. Yeah, and so how does that relate back to us? Well, we have to take responsibility for our own sin, and that's why we come to God and confess our sin. You know, we take responsibility. We haven't got the solution. He is the solution, and that's why he died on the cross. But when we come... He can solve it, you know, by forgiving us and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And that's supposed to. I love that thought, Bruce. And one of the things that pops into my head just as you're talking there is that Jesus takes responsibility because Jesus created the power of choice. He gave yeah. us he gave us freedom of choice and and the the result of freedom of choice is that ultimately, you know, Satan and others rebelled. And uh, so God, by creating freedom of choice, which, of course, creates love, creates the possibility of sin, so he takes personal responsibility for that. Yeah, I think if you look at it the other way around, that love, to have love, you have to have freedom of conscience, you know, freedom of choice. Yes. And uh, God is love. But, yeah, and so, but you have a look in the world today, People don't want to take responsibility. Mm, you know, I know, mm. in, I know, Victoria, when we with this COVID business, and because it was, it came down to that they had that big commission, I think, commission or something on the hotel quarantine. You know, that's where it got out. But no one, when when they had a commission, <laughs> no one took responsibility of it. Yeah, see, no politicians ducking for cover left, right, and centre. <laughs> yeah, and so this is the whole point with our government and with any one of us. If we don't take responsibility, well, you're not going to have a solution. You're never going to come to a solution. Yes. So so that's what God's shown us. He's taken responsibility of it, even though he didn't cause it. But he, because he was the leader, he's the creator, 
See, this government, they should be taking responsibility because they're the leaders. That's that's part of your responsibility, being a leader. Same with any leadership, even a husband in a family. You know, he's a leader. He's got to take responsibility, even if he didn't do it. But he that the buck stops with him, you know, as it stops with God. That's the principle. Yeah, fantastic, Bruce, and, and we appreciate that. It um, If only our politicians and human leaders the same level of responsibility as God takes. That would be absolutely amazing. Thank you. Great, great thoughts there, Bruce. Thank you for sharing so much this morning. Let's. Um, where were we? We were in Hebrews five, and uh, um, we're looking at this concept of "You are my son." Today, I have begotten you. Now, the word "begotten" in the Bible is usually used in reference to given birth to. What does it say in your translation there? Today I have become your father, but there's an asterisk next to it. Right. And the footnote says, or today I reveal you as my son. Much better. That's interesting. That's interesting translation because the word begotten doesn't actually mean, in and of itself, it does not mean given birth. It means brought forth. So when, when a woman, you know, obviously gives birth, she brings forth a child, and so it is appropriate to use the word begotten there. But it's also appropriate to use the word begotten in other contexts. You know, you might be emceeing a program and you bring the star of the program onto the stage. You brought this person forth onto the stage, then you have begotten them and introduced them. This is the person and this is who it is. Okay, so um, this kind of goes with... I guess, a whole bunch of other passages in the Bible because the Bible talks about Jesus being the first begotten of God. Uh, Let's have a look at a couple of these passages. So if we go over to uh, Revelation chapter 1, let's look here in Revelation chapter 1 and let's look at uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. Bible says, and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Thank you. Okay, so here, yours says that he was the first brought forth from the dead. Mine says the first begotten of the dead. So, so does mine technically, but I'm not allowed to read the King James. Just everybody because help. Because I'm reading the King James. Send help. I'm not allowed. I'm oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, Daniel's sitting here with his uh, NLT, KJV. KJV um, he's got two Bibles in one, and it's like as thick as a brick. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's just a massive great thing. Um, and so because he's sitting in that seat over there and I get to read the King James, that's my, my prerogative. <laughs> told you before, there's always a hierarchy. Someone sits at the top. <laughs> I'm making him read the NLT this morning. Um, well, it's but, good because like, I struggle with the Melchizedek thing, which we're going to get to in a second, but yes. it really explains it well in the NLT. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it I'm does. Gonna look, I'm going to look forward to revealing that because when you read the KJV, you're like, oh, hang on, I'm not too sure about this, but the NLT gives a really good rundown of why it makes sense. Okay. All right. But here we've got Christ being brought forth. Okay, so he's brought forth. This time he's brought forth from where? What does it say in this verse right here? In Revelation. In Revelation, yes. Because we want to illustrate what this word begotten actually means. So Revelation 1, verse 5, where is he brought forth from? Is he brought forth from the womb? No. No, he's brought forth from where in this verse? Uh, Okay, so let me read it for you. 
Um, Revelation 1 verse 5, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten, this is King James Version, of the dead. Ah, his resurrection. Yes. So begotten, the word begotten does not mean born, it means brought forth. You're not born from death. Death. You're brought forth. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. On the breakfast show, we're up to our 500 point. We're up to the 500 pointer. We are. We are just congratulations to uh, Ethan this morning. Yes, who took the 400 pointer. Well done. Uh, went away with the prize with that one, and apparently Ethan is starting a new school today. So, um, God bless you in your new school. And we're kind of wondering um, why are you starting a new school, Ethan? Maybe you can just uh, call us back or text us back and let us know. Is this? Are, are you going? Are you moving up to high school yet? Big school. Or have you been in high school for like ever? We, we're not sure. So um, let us know Pure what's happening. Curiosity. Or maybe you're just moving locations. Anyway, congratulations to Ethan who does play the quiz here on The Breakfast Show regularly and, of course, does very, very well. Um, I'll tell you what, in any, in any school I would not have been getting 400 points in this quiz. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. So great job, mate. Yes. Uh, he goes to the school of his, uh, of his mother and his... Auntie and uncle, and they teach him well. Amen. All right. 500 points. 500 pointer. Last question of the day. From whose household was Paul told that the Corinthians were quarreling? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, So if you do. No, this is where I stopped. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what kind of a question is that? (laughs) Ouch. This is producer. This is producer shell. Just being lulling you into a false sense of security, like yeah, because yeah, yeah, two hundred, yeah, not a problem. Three hundred, we know what animal that is. Four hundred, yeah, okay. Five hundred, what? <laughs> and I thought she was being merciful this morning. <laughs> Trickery. All right, guys, dig your Bibles out, do some searching, uh, see if you can solve it without googling, and uh, let's see if you can come up with an answer for the five hundred pointer and take home the big prize. Which yes, is? DVD, Call oh, of DVD. the Cosmos, which is awesome about basically what the universe reveals about God. So it's a movie going through, looking at the universe, looking at different star systems and constellations and such, but relating it back to a biblical stance. Yes. So praise the Lord for that. It looks wonderful. I actually want it myself, so I might buy it. Fantastic stuff. Okay. All right. So um, for those of you who still watch DVDs, which includes Daniel and myself. That hurt this morning. We talked about that, and producer Shell said, "Oh, Lawson never likes to give away DVDs, DVDs because he's like, who watches DVDs? I'm like, oh, that's showing. I feel old now. <laughs> plenty of times. We watched one the other day, historical ones. I'd almost forgotten how the machine worked, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, you press this button, you press that button. See, so you buy these streaming services, and you go on there and you type in Jesus or Bible, and you get like one or two shows. Uh huh. Yeah." There's you know, thousands on there, and they're all about horrible things you shouldn't be engaging with. Yes. It's like, well, why am I, what am I paying for? Indeed. So at least, I can, at least when I buy a DVD, I'm getting exactly what I want. That's right. And I'm not old. All right. Let's uh, go back to what we were studying here. We were talking about the word begotten and what it actually means, and we found that it means to be brought forth. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus was the first begotten of the dead. Let's go over to Colossians chapter 1. And let's read what the Bible says over here in Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, what Philippians, verse? Colossians. Well, we're going to particularly focus on verse 16, but we're going to give a bit of context uh, from, say, verse uh, 
14. Actually, no, we're going to focus on verse, well, 14 to 17 is what we're going to read. Okay. Bible says, oh, hang on, I was all, oh, almost King james it then. I'm just going to switch across the you other King side. King james it if you want. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll play your game, Southwell. <laughs> uh, mine leads in, so I'm going to have to go from 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Okay, verse uh, 15 in the King James Version says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn or the first begotten of every creature? So once you notice, if you take verse uh, 15 on its own in the King James Version, it places Jesus in the category of a creature and says that he was the first begotten or born of every creature. So by placing Jesus in the category of a creature, then it places him in the, in the context of being a created being. And a lot of people, they look at this and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I then link that with Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 5, where we were reading a moment ago, where the Bible says, you know, God says, on this day I have begotten you, you are my son, and declares him his son. Uh, then it seems very, very clear that the Father at some particular point created the Son and that there is a hierarchy in heaven. You see where people come from with this? <laughs> That's why you don't read a single verse and take it out of context. Yeah, and you kind of read all of the verses and it, it sort of all explained it um, before I got to it. But anyway, that's okay. One of the things that people forget and one of the things that people miss right here is the meaning of the word first. Now, the word first has more than one meaning and this is what's important because you can be first chronologically. Okay, I was the first one in the office this morning. The reason I was the first one in the office this morning was because I had the key and I had to unlock and no one could get in before me. So I was the first one in the office this morning chronologically. However, um, if we were to say who's the first person in the office or the first person of the office, we could say, well, that would be you know Adrian who sits down um, in his desk here as the boss uh, because he is first in, not chronologically, but pre in preeminence. He's the boss. Hierarchical. Hierarchical first. Uh, so when it comes to every being that exists, the Bible says that Jesus is the first in preeminence of all those who were born. So we simply ask ourselves this question. Okay, was Jesus born? No, no he was not. Uh, yes, he was. Well, not in, in the sense 4 BC. Of, yeah, not in the sense of in his okay. deity. All right. In his incarnation, was Jesus born? Yes. Yes. Jesus was born 4 BC in his incarnation. Interesting how it was born 4 BC. But anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, so Jesus was born. He was incarnated. Out of all of the beings that have been born, is there any of greater preeminence 
than Jesus. No. So he is first in preeminence. He's not the first one chronologically. He's the first in preeminence. And so when Jesus talk, when the Bible talks about Jesus being the firstborn, that references his incarnation. And when the Bible talks about, you know, this is, uh, this is, you know, you, know, you are my son, and he de- declares him as his son, the reason that the Father declares Jesus as the Son is because of the incarnation. Now it gets deeper than that because you have this principle that runs throughout the Bible where the promises of God are always so sure they are counted as present reality and you will find that God speaks about things as present reality that have not yet taken place. That's not uncommon in the Bible. So would it be uncommon would we expect that the Bible would refer to Jesus as being the firstborn or the first begotten uh, or any of this kind of language before the incarnation? Well, of course we would, because the plan of salvation has always been there. The Bible says that he was crucified since the foundation of the world. And so this is what the Bible talks about when it talks about God, Jesus as being the Son of God. It is a reference to the incarnation. Jesus has always been the Son of God ever since the plan of salvation has existed. And that's why the Bible likens him to Melchizedek. We're going to talk about Melchizedek tomorrow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's go to uh, oh um, answers. Answers, yes. Let's have some answers for our quizzes. All right. Uh, Daniel was Belteshazzar. Moses was a leader that ordered the law to be put inside the ark. Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. <laughs> Augustus was the Caesar that ordered the register, and Chloe's house was where they were told about the quarrelling. Chloe's house. There you go. In First Corinthians never one got that. eleven. Ah, it's a sneaky one right there. Fantastic. Well, it is now time for question of the day. This morning's question comes in from Brother Freco, who's a frequent contributor here, and he's asked how many months in a year were there in the days of Moses? Yeah, this is a really good question because. There are so many different calendars that uh, Jewish people and Israelite people have used, you know, down through the centuries. And if you go back to Genesis chapter seven and eight, you're going to find that the original calendar uh, that was being used, you know, before the flood was um, was a calendar of thirty days to a month, and uh, you know, three hundred and sixty days to a year. Now, if you want my opinion on that, my opinion was that the world got messed up at the time of the flood. And the gods are God of exactitude, and it used to be exactly 30 days to a month, and you could follow the cycle of the moon, and it would give you exactly you know, 30 days to a month. But, you know, the world got thrown a bit out of kilter and is just, now, just a bit. now five and a bit days off. Yeah. And so now we have a 365-day year, which follows the Roman calendar, uh, which is a solar calendar. So you have solar calendars, you have lunar calendars, you have lunisolar cal- calendars, and you have aggregarian calendars. And these were all different calendars that were used by the Israelite people at various times in their history and for various purposes. And so, for instance, the um, Agrigarian calendar would revolve around the ripening of the barley. And when the barley ripened, you'd resync your calendar by the ripening of the barley. And so that was an Agrigarian calendar. And so um, Frego wants to know, what was the calendar that was being used at the time of Moses? And the answer to that was that it was a... Uh, lunar solar calendar with lunar coming first. 
And so that means that they were using a calendar that was 30 days to a month, uh, 360 days to a year. Now, of course, we all understand that that would place their calendar out of sync. Our calendars get out of sync because you know, it's not exactly 365 days to a year. Well, their calendar would get out of sync a little bit faster and a little bit further than ours. So we have a leap year. What is it, every four years, I think? Every four years, Every four yeah. years we have a leap year um, to give us, to, to resync our calendar. Of course, every four years for them, they had kind of had to have a extra month. And they had different um, names for you know the months of the year. And so they had the month of Adar. And they also had the month of Adar 2. And every four years you would add in Adar 2. And what that would do, it would if essentially it would give you a 13-month uh, year and it would resync your calendar so that you didn't have winter coming in the middle of summer and so forth. And so that's the calendar that was used at the time of Moses and that's how it was used. Um, they also used it was it was kind of a lunar a lunar it was a lunar calendar that followed the month the, the cycle of the moon thirty days to a month. It was a solar calendar in that it would resync itself with the solar year, and it was also an agrarian calendar because special events like say for instance um, the Day of Atonement and so forth were calculated off x amount of time after the ripening of the barley. It's fascinating, isn't it? Oh, it's just you start to you start to delve into all of the different cal- calendars that were used in biblical times and how they were used and why they were used and the manner in which they were used. It is just absolutely fascinating that there are so many different ways of calculating time and understanding where you are in the year. And that's just with, you know, your Hebrew Israelite Jewish calendars. Start looking at some of the other calendars around the world and it will just um, bend your mind how humans have worked out this problem. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.